Greetings, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, August the 30th. And we've been looking at the book of Ephesians, Paul, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And over the last three weeks, we've, we looked at this. First of all, first the week one, that we have been adopted by God through Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 9 says that he, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us and the one he loves. The second week, we said that because of this adoption, we were once outsiders, but we are now insiders with God's chosen people. Because of Jesus, we become part of the chosen in Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 13 and verse 19 says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants and promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and members of his household. And then the third week, we we said that at some point in life and in our journey with Jesus, the pavement is going to end. The road is going to get rough. And so we need to be mature. We need to be humble. And it seems to always that this humility, this maturity always begins on our knees. We submit to the holy other. And a prayer for the Ephesians in chapter 3 is being with verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Well, we're going to continue this week looking at chapter 4 of Ephesians, verses 1 through 16, but let me pray first. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and, and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lowly earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of the people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The University of Alabama has, in its storied past, one of, if perhaps not the greatest, football coaches, college coaches in history. Paul Bear Bryant. Bear Bryant said concerning his football team, I'm just a plow hand from Arkansas, but I have learned how to hold a team together, how to lift some men up, how to calm down others, until finally they've got one heartbeat together, a team. There's just three things I'd ever say. If anything goes bad, I did it. If anything goes semi-good, then we did it, and if anything goes real good, then you did it. That's all it takes to get people to win football games for you. One heartbeat together, a team. What a calling, right? What, a, what an amazing vision and picture of the church. Team is exactly what Paul is describing in our scripture today. We know the definition of team. It's a single unit composed of individual components for the purpose of accomplishing a common goal. That's, that's how Webster defines it. It's two or more people working together. And that's what Paul says the church is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, four through seven. And, and, and here he says, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Do you think Paul has stressed the point that we are one, a single union? Then in verse 7, Paul opens the door to this individuality, so to speak. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. However, he has given each one of us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. We're many, yet we're one. Our team is defined by our relationship to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, has given every one of us, every single one of us, gifts, spiritual gifts so that we can all live up to the one hope of our common God-given calling. And, and Jesus has given every single one of us spiritual gifts that God has designed for the express purpose of building a team that will help us win. Help us win what? Will help us win life. Unfortunately, we, the church, capital C, church, don't always play like a team. To be fair, the church can sometimes resemble a football game at times. If you've ever been to a college or pro or even a high school football game, you know what I mean. There's, there's 22 players doing all the work while, depending on the size of the crowd, up to 80,000 people just sitting and cheering from the sidelines. You know, sometimes that's what, quote-unquote, church looks like, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. But that is not the biblical image that Paul gives us of ministry. And, and it just might be the reason that so many churches are falling on harder times and struggling, pandemic or not. Because you see, in some cases, churches have a ministry model 
of the pastor doing the ministry because he or she is paid to and the members consuming ministry because they pay for it. And what a contrast to what Paul says to the church at Ephesus concerning the task of ministry in the body of Christ. Paul says Jesus has given the church gifts for a very specific purpose. And so as we continue on with verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Paul gives a glimpse, gives us a glimpse of of early church leadership roles and functions. And he says that these leadership roles serve a particular purpose in the church to equip, verse 12, his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Paul is clear. The body of Christ is called to do God's work on earth. We are all ministers. Each one of us, regardless of our age, with a variety of gifts created by God to employ those gifts in his service. In the last 30 plus years, according to some Barna statistics, there has been a 33% decrease in church membership in the United States. It will be interesting to see what happens as we emerge from this pandemic and what that number, how that number fluctuates. Something like 3,000 churches, this was, again, pre-pandemic, 3,000 churches close every year in America. Of the remaining churches in America, 80% seem to be plateaued or perhaps declining. There's an alarming rate of pastoral burnout. Sometimes there's a sense of boredom among church members. In short, the model used by so many churches has produced too many spectators and not enough players. And the team is, is not thriving. You could say it's failing. Too many have, have lost the game because they aren't playing as a team. And what I'm talking about here for us, for, for some of us, is a total transformation in our theology and our, and our understanding of what it means to be the church and what it means to, quote-unquote, do church. I am talking about all of us working side by side to achieve kingdom goals. Which, which to be fair, are little c, Banner Christian Fellowship goals, but are much more broad, are big c, the church, the kingdom. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking here where there, there are no lines, right? And thankfully, we don't have that that often here at Banner Christian Fellowship. There's no lines between quote-unquote, the clergy and the laity, pastors and, and members, pastors and congregation, to use a church term. Our church, your church, we, and make it indistinguishable. Who is the pastor and who are the ministers? When we, when, we, when we do this, we will all see something amazing happening. Paul spells it out for us, beginning in verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and blown there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul says three things happen when we follow the biblical model of service within the church. 
First of all, we achieve unity. Serving together brings a sense of purpose and builds unity. We are defined by the purpose for which we serve, and that single purpose brings unity. Secondly, we achieve growth. Nothing helps you grow as a believer like service. If we want to grow, then, then visit people on their front porch or over the phone. Pray for people by name. Call folks you haven't seen in a while. When it's appropriate and when we're back into the swing of things, take up the mantle of teaching a class. Volunteer to do a humbling job. Through service, Paul reminds us we become more and more Christ-like. Remember, it was Christ who said, For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's Mark 10, 45. And this growth happens in and because of Jesus Christ. He's going to grow this unity up in us, and it is a future-perfect time and place. Sure, we're going to make mistakes. Sure, we're going to get it wrong. Of course, we're going to offend one another, our brother and sister, and have to seek for forgiveness. But the point is that we're all on that trajectory together. We're all being made perfect in Christ, and our unity in Him is growing us towards that. Finally, Paul says that when we play as a team, the whole body, the team is healthy. There's an element of salvation in that statement. We look around at others and we look inward at ourselves and we see the brokenness of, of one kind or another. And, and this passage holds out the promise that the power of God is made real in our teamwork as, as his spirit fills us and uses us to accomplish amazing and wonderful aims for the creation. When we play as a team, we fulfill the, the God-given vision for his church. We're team members. We have a role to play. If we don't do our part, then, well, then the team struggles. If we don't do our part by utilizing and sharing the gifts that the Lord has given us, the team fails. I want to close this week with, again, the benediction of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 20. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Friends, until we're together again, may God hold us all in the hollow of his hand. Amen. God bless and have a great week.